In WCW Spring Stampede, the streets will be clear when Diamond Dallas Page calls out Randy Savage. Don't forget to bring your little bimbo Liz. What'd you say? Other villains of the NWO will take it to the mat with the Steiner Brothers. It's gonna be the Steiner Brothers' revenge! Medusa says there'll be a new sheriff in town when she takes out Akira Hokuto for the WCW Women's World Title. Prince IOK will attempt to brand Lord Stephen a loser in a TV title match. Then all the gold is up for grabs when champion Dean Malenko I'm giving you an opportunity has a standoff with horseman Chris Benoit. Show up and prove yourself for the WCW US title. And in the final showdown, the four-corner match will have Lex Luger, the Giant, and Harlem Heat gunning for a chance at bringing home the WCW World title from Hollywood Hogan. The rumbling is WCW Spring Stampede. Welcome to another episode of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by... The one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And Patrick, this morning I woke up and I had one of those moments where I had no idea what time it was. Did I miss work? What was going on? Where am I? And then it all came to me. You see, I work at a media company and I work early in the mornings on the weekends. It took me a few minutes to realize, but I had already been to work. So (laughs) I had already done that. So that relieved me because at this media company, if I don't show up, there is no backup programming. No. And you are the guy. They could call in someone else, but on the weekend, I doubt they're going to answer their phone. So I was relieved to know that. But then I looked at the clock and it was like 145 which is late for me to take a nap, and I was like, whoa, I wasted the whole day. So (laughs) that was my experience this morning. Mine, if you can uh, tell, maybe, maybe not, a little bit of a raspy voice, I uh, this week inhaled uh, poison ivy, poison oak, and poison sumac, who apparently someone decided to... Make, take a giant pile of it and burn it. And I was not aware of this and had my throat almost close up on me and got very sick. <laughs> Lungs and, and everything get in, in uh, get poisoned by it. And so I had to obviously go to the doctor and go to the hospital and get shots and all this stuff. And, you know, so if I sound a little off, can't really get fired up as much as I normally do. Uh, that's why. And for the first time in my 32 years, I was bitten by a tick. I had never 
been bitten by a tick. It was a very tiny one. But now I'm starting to freak out about, do I have Lyme disease? Is my arm going to fall off? I've been pit- I've been bitten by hundreds of them. You're fine. I promise you. Yeah, but it did break out a little bit. And then I got bit by a mosquito right underneath. So some of the same sores that you have from your poison ivy thing look exactly like what I've got. So it almost makes me think that whatever, we, we did it together. So yeah. I'm, I'm afraid now I'm going to end up in the hospital. As long as your tick didn't have any spots on it, you're good. Oh, okay. It's so spotted ticks. Well, it was so tiny. It was so tiny, I thought it was a scab, so I didn't even you, think to... Did you get the head out of it, though? Seriously? Oh, yeah. I get okay. it. The whole thing was... All right. It was still alive, actually, and it was barely latched in. It didn't even... It didn't draw blood at all, and so I thought, oh, I'm, I'm in the clear, but yeah. now I get this got this rash, but I've been, been putting on the calamine lotion, and that makes it feel much better. Yeah. I'm not taking oatmeal baths, however. I've took plenty of shots in the past two or three days to get all this shit cleared up so I can be clear enough at least to talk to our fans because I know our fans love to hear from me. Oh, absolutely. They've been on the edge of their seat. You see, last week we taped on a Friday and we talked about the Superstar Shake-Up and by the time I got around to publishing the episode, a lot of those moves had been Next. Re- yeah, redacted, retracted. Nixed. Yeah, sent back to their original shows as Charlotte did not want her boyfriend Andrade to be on Raw, and she got her way. She was on Raw, though. She got moved no, to Raw. No, Charlotte was still on SmackDown. Zelina Vega also moved with Andrade yeah. because... Alistair Black, her husband, was on Raw, and he got moved back to SmackDown. So they, all the couples are now allowed to stay together, apparently. A lot of people chalk this up to Charlotte politicking, saying, oh, well, she's got so much pull, she got her man back on the show. Consequently, that man's manager is Alistair Black's wife, so he came over too. But I don't think it was like that. I think they've sort of just reevaluated their policy on couples in general, and are not breaking them up on different shows anymore. Well, yeah, because it makes things much more difficult. And and they also moved a couple of other people that, unrelated to that, they moved Cesaro to Monday Night Raw, as Sheamus is still dealing with a concussion, but I was also informed that he has spinal stenosis, so his entire wrestling career is probably uh, in danger or coming to an end pretty quickly. Sheamus, really? Yeah, so they have split the bar up, so Cesaro has gone to Raw. I yep. didn't I didn't know this. When did this become public? I'm not sure exactly. I heard about it the same time when Cesaro showed up on Raw. They also sent Gender back to SmackDown with the Singh brothers who reappeared. I mean, the biggest news of all, Patrick, is we found out about the box with the dinosaur in it. And it turned out it wasn't a dinosaur. It had a name in the segment. It was like Buzzy the Buzzard or something like yeah. that. Yeah. But Bray Wyatt is bringing his funhouse to our televisions. This shit's like Pee Wee Herman, man. It really is. It's like Pee Wee's Playhouse. It's like Pee Wee's Playhouse, except demented, as he used a chainsaw to cut a cardboard cutout of his old self mm-hmm. down. So it's a lot like there's a show. With Jim Carrey in it called Happy, I think. And he is like a Mr. Rogers character, but he's really messed up in the head. He doesn't do anything towards children, but he's like deranged. Or also, if you've ever seen the movie like Death 
to Smoochy. It's sort of the same thing, like, deranged... Child's television host loses his mind, is the direction they're going with Bray. Although, there are no children on the set, so it's just Bray in a house full of puppets. I wonder how long it's going to last, though, because uh, a lot of the stockholders and shareholders and everything immediately revoked and said that it was too stupid and ridiculous and that they didn't stand for it and now wwe's actually thinking about taking a step back and reevaluating the whole bray wyatt thing already right out of the gate yeah the sponsors are not uh feeling it is from what the report said this week although those reports came out on Monday, and on Tuesday they re-aired the same segment on SmackDown, so they didn't pull the segment. But it, apparently it's coming from sponsors that, much like the Seven character in WCW, is this character is too scary for kids, and we don't want to be a part of it. What that means for the character going forward, I don't know. I don't know where this is even leading to. This might not even have anything to do with kids. It's just him in a funhouse. So. Yeah, I didn't think it had anything to do with kids anyway. I considered it to be... I didn't even think it had anything to do with being creepy either. I figured <laughs> it was just... No, a, I, I thought it was like a mid-card comedy act. Really. Yeah, I really did too. I thought it was, well, you know, creepy cult leader Bray Wyatt has died and gone forever, and now we just have this weird, like, kids host or this weird yeah he's he's no longer a scary right guy he's he's just deranged he's like mankind where he's not really a threat to the public he's just deranged yeah and so i didn't think it was uh i, I don't much care for it we're really glad that you're our friend and this is a friendship battle missed you but i knew that we would be back together again someday i saw it in my dreams this is the firefly funhouse and my name is bray wyatt yowie wowie we're gonna have so much fun here this this is my special place and all my fireflies can feel safe here And I cannot wait to show you all what I've learned. Oh, and I want to introduce you to some very special friends that I met along the way. Yeah, I'm Mercy, the buzzer. Hi, I'm Abby. The witch. You are going to love them. Now, I used to be a very bad man. Okay, I deserve that. But trust me, I have been barbarically punished for all of my wrongdoings. And that part of me is dead now. However, I do keep a reminder so that not even in my weakest moments 
Will I ever turn into that pathetic slob loser ever again? See? Fireflies, I'll always light the way, and all you have to do is let me in. <laughs> I'll see you next week. <laughs> We're really glad that you're our friend, and this is a friendship that'll never ever end. Bonjour. As you can see. I love to paint. Painting is a way for me to uh, express my suppressed feelings. And when you're expressing yourself, <coughs> no one can ever truly hurt you. <laughs> What's up, Ray? Are you painting over there, dude? Hey, it's Rambling Rabbit. I sure am, Rambling Rabbit. Would you like to see? <laughs> well... That's all in the past. Besides, I'm really sorry for what I did. I mean, all of you forgive me, right? Yeah! Fine. Just keep it down while I'm trying to get my beauty rest. She's a bit of a sociopath. <laughs> hey, isn't sociopath like the word of the day or something? You know what, Rambling Rabbit? I think you're right. Sociopath is the word of the day. Sociopath. S-O-C-I-O-P-A-T-H. Sociopath. <laughs> well... I think that's all the time we have for today. Aww. But remember, my fireflies, as always, I'll light the way. And all you have to do is let me in. See ya. <laughs> Bye. Thank you. <laughs> Friendship that'll never ever end.
I actually enjoyed this segment just because I thought that you could see that Bray was really pouring everything he had into it. I thought that... I give him his props for that. Now, a lot of guys are given, you know, an idea or something and they don't... Oh, well, fuck it. You know, it's going to fail. So they they don't actually truly give it their all. But Bray is Bray's the kind of guy that he gives it his all, no matter what. And especially in this situation, something is as stupid as it is. But Bray Wyatt's Funhouse, I don't really know how you integrate this into matches and how... I don't know. If he was to do the same segment in the ring, I think it would be terrible. These are things that have to be pre-taped. And... In that regard, though, it could work out the same way that those Matt Hardy things from Impact worked, and you have wrestlers showing up in the funhouse in these taped segments, and you get something really good out of it. They turn into matches or some something. I wish that we could have... It's kind of like Finn Balor. We could have two sides. You have the crazy cult leader side, then you have this really nice, caring individual like... Oh, like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Is now, if they went that saying. route, it would be awesome. Yeah. I think it's too early to yeah. say. In a month, we'll probably revisit this and probably... It might be dropped by then. Yeah. I, I just think it's too early to, for a judgment call on this segment, but it's... It's something for him, and he's in really good shape from the pictures that I've seen. Lost he's, a lot of weight, it looks like. They are in desperate need of heels on both shows at the moment, especially SmackDown. So, I hope his entering career continues very, very soon, because he's desperately needed. With the shake-up, we saw finally kind of a a move for Lacey Evans. And what was that move, exactly? That she, she is now going to go for the Raw Women's title at Money in the Bank. Becky's going to have to work two matches at Money in the Bank. She's going to have to work Lacey Evans and then work Charlotte. I imagine they want to take one of these belts away from Becky as soon as possible so that they can have a program going on one of the shows. And if I was to guess which belt they would be dropping, I imagine that she will defeat Lacey Evans and then Lacey Evans will either cost her the match against Charlotte, or she will lose to Charlotte, and then you'll have someone maybe cash in, or even cash in if she retains against Charlotte. I feel like that SmackDown belt is coming off of her, and she's she's more needed on Raw. I think the Raw belt's coming off of her. I think Lacey Evans, because they've done this whole build-up, her first real match title run, you know, now second match, basically, publicly, second match on Raw, or second match on the main roster is for the title. Have her win. Have have Charlotte fuck her over something. Have her win, you know, and then turn around and Lacey fucks her over and Charlotte wins. And it's like, you know, it's like the Austin situation. She finally got there. She finally got it. And Vince or the company screwed the man. And now you got to dig down deep and come back again. Yeah, either way, whatever they decide to do, I just feel like they have to have Becky on Raw because outside of Naomi, they really don't have a solid female worker because with Sasha being on her hiatus, maybe never to be seen again, they don't have that established female star. They have Alexa Bliss, but it doesn't seem like she wrestles very much anymore. 
And I don't know if maybe they're going to change that coming back. If that's the case, then I guess you could put Becky back on SmackDown. But now that Bailey is also... Oh, she moved as Dude, well. Bailey, Bailey has stepped her game way up. I, I think you're overloading SmackDown with... Women's the, talent. Well, with the horsewoman. And, oh, yeah, and women's talent, including Asuka and Io Shirai and Mickey James. They they cleaned house in the women's side of things in this yeah. superstar shakeup. Yeah. So I think you're going to have to sacrifice Becky to Raw, unfortunately. I don't know what that means for her going forward, but you need somebody to be the big boss of the female division on Raw. And that person isn't there yet, whoever it is. And I really feel like they screwed up by not putting Charlotte on Raw. Because you've got, like you said... I think that they should have separated Becky and Charlotte because we've seen that match so many times as of late. Just separate them for a while, and you can get to that match down the road. It's sort of like how they had Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn when they first came in. They were fighting every week, every month, every pay-per-view. This is the last time they'll fight. Oh, wait, sorry. Tomorrow night they'll fight, too. And it just got really old. And I think we're in danger of that. Sami Zayn, though, I really, really enjoy his new character. I didn't see Monday's Sami Zayn promo, but I don't really like Sami Zayn's character all that much. I mean, that's what is designed, obviously, is that I don't like it, but I need to see more of him in the ring, I guess, to really get behind it. Like, this... He's doing a version of Daniel Bryan Light, the new Daniel Bryan Light, where Mm -hmm. he's saying that the fans and the critics are stupid and wrong, and you chant because you're stupid and you're zombies and all this. this week on Raw, he shows pictures about... Oh, he had the slideshow, the Instagram slideshow. And how he was so happy to be away from the fans because the fans are the negative, you know, depression that is keeping him down because... Not performing in front of them, not being around them, not having anything to do with them is what makes him be able to enjoy life. He shouldn't have to put, he should be able to get paid for his talents, but not have to perform in front of the the shallow, worthless WWE universe to, to his emotions to their level and stay upset and stay. It was just, it was done very well. Uh, I really do like this new character. I think this new character is a main event character. I think it could be, but like I said, I I just need to see more of him in the ring because he came back and he looked heavier than he was. He's not necessarily, he's not out of shape. Coming from an out of shape man, he is not out of shape, but he looks heavier and I'm just curious to see what he can do in the ring. And until I see that, then I'll make a judgment call on the character. The character seems a little just too generic for me a little too easy but i mean not as easy as someone like elias who just says whatever sports team is in town sucks you know he's not that simple there's more to him than that but i'm just gonna i'm gonna need something else from him there's just something i'm not i'm not getting from the new Sami Zayn. speaking of daniel bryan still no update on his injury which leads me to two hypotheses about daniel bryan is that he is either injured or that Brie is pregnant again. He, he is injured. Well, I know that he's injured, but... They are keeping it hush-hush as to how serious the injury is, but he is injured, and I do believe it has to do with his neck. I, that has not been brought to light, and I have strictly no feelers out there on that either. This is 
none other than just my opinion. I think it has to do with his neck, and I think it he's re-injured a couple of uh, issues from back in a couple years back, and so. Uh, well, then I would have a conspiracy theory about all this. Then they didn't want him to be around when Roman was on his show, okay? So they said, you can't wrestle. <laughs> so then he got on SmackDown, right? and they waited a while, and they said, you can wrestle. Right. And then one year, exactly to the day, one year, I mean, WrestleMania to WrestleMania, they said, go ahead, wrestle all you want to. Yeah. And then the second that Roman comes over to your show, you guess wrestle. what? You can't wrestle anymore. <laughs> and this is after you've signed a contract again. Right. So we've got you. Yeah. So you re-upped under the impression that you were going to be able to continue to wrestle, and we're just going to take that away now, from like you. Like I said, I have no, I have no, uh, no opinion on that. It doesn't have to be something serious. He might be back next week. He might yeah. just be taking some time off. So that is a possibility. That is just strictly my opinion on the topic. Uh, well, they're selling his title belts for $400, so that would uh, lead me to believe that he's coming back because... Jeez, man. For this uh, title belt that lasted a total of, what, uh, three or four months, maybe? Yeah. I would not spend $400 on a uh, Daniel Bryan title belt. I would much rather have the million-dollar belt and it be... I mean, it's cheaper. Every belt is cheaper at www.shop.com. They're running a special on the ones that were more expensive. So his belt is currently the most expensive. And it's backordered. And it's wood. Well, I don't actually know the materials that are going to show up in in the mail. I I could probably look it up real quick. Well, I'm just saying, though. In theory, it is. in In theory, you could go into your basement or to your workshop and build this fucking thing. And it'd be just as good as what you're going to pay $400 for. It's made out of red oak wood. It's not made out of hemp. It's made out of burlap uh, with felt on the back. Velcro is what it's going to be. Oh, yeah. Well, they've added Velcro to everything. No more snaps on any really? of the belts. Have you not noticed no, that? No, I have not noticed yeah, that. Yeah, on the, on the, even on the world title belts, they've really? taken the snaps away. So now you just... I think they left the holes there for visual sake, but Seth Rollins has Velcro on his title. Well, that's just because his waist is so fucking small, the, the damn buttons, the snaps won't hold it up. And I don't know about Kofi's because Kofi doesn't seem to wear it around his waist ever, so... I don't know. But, yeah, I think they've replaced... I, I did not know They've that. moved to Velcro. That's that's really fucked up. It would prevent scenes from WrestleMania 12 happening, you know, where, you know, refs can't snap the snaps. Try to do a damn ladder match, you're going to sit the what? You got to reach up there and rip the Velcro down? Come on, man. That might be easier that way, though. It would. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, so... The first person gets their hands on it, it's like... There should be no mini game you're, in 2K19. You're, 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 you just you're, grab it. Your suspicion of disbelief that you you know have a hard time believing. The first person gets their hand on it. It's Velcro. That shit's coming down. You cannot believe that they got their hands on it and didn't pull it down. You're not gonna see people hanging from it anymore. <laughs> That's for sure. So when we recorded on Friday, we also missed CM Punk's big in ring yes. return as he came in wearing a mask. To an indie show that was run by Silas Young. Hit a go to sleep. Which looked like shit, by the way. He's going to need some practice if he's <laughs> actually 
intending on returning to the ring. Which I, I truly do believe he is, and I truly do believe that he is going to be the newest member of All Elite Wrestling. Well, it would certainly make sense. He's been tweeting and writing about wrestling a lot more than he has in the last few years. The last few years of his Twitter account were Chicago Blackhawks updates or things about his MMA fights. But if he does sign with All Elite, that I hope that he brings AJ with him because she would be a big boost oh, to the man. women's division. She really would. What I'm hearing about AEW's TV deal... A lot of people have denied this, but apparently the AEW television deal is a pay-for-play sort of deal. And if that's the case, to justify someone like CM Punk's salary, you're going to need big advertisers. You're going to need a better TV deal than that, because he's going to command a very large price tag, as well as AJ, and I'm sure that they would be a combo package. It'd be a group, group deal, yeah. And, I mean, it's been largely denied by many people on Twitter and various dirt sheets that it is a pay-for-play deal, much like Hardcore TV, where Paul Heyman would send in money every week to get his shows run. But if that is indeed the deal, that's almost... That's worse than the impact, the last TV deal they had, where... It was a barter deal. They didn't get paid anything for that. They, They were able to show their advertisers and... Uh, the channel they were on were able to show their advertisers, but that was all it was, was just barter deal. Like, we'll just put you on in exchange for some ad time, and that was it. So I don't believe that that's really the true deal, because if it is, I don't believe the likes of Jim Ross and everyone else jumping on board would. Yeah, well, I think it comes down to, in JR's case, I don't know that the WWE was going to even renew his contract. They seem to love firing this guy, but also... <laughs> The fact that the Tony Khan money, the Khan family money, whatever they tell you they're going to pay you, I'm sure these are guaranteed contracts to some extent where it's like, regardless of whatever TV deal, I'm getting this much money, so why not just sign sign right up? Sign me up. And then, even if it fails, I'll get the money that was promised to me because the Khan family are billionaires and... They have the money, so... I certainly hope the TV deal is not structured that way. They would be foolish to take that deal if they were serious about this product. But All Elite was sort of dealt a semi-major blow this week when the WWE took its toys back from them as Undertaker and Kurt Angle were pulled from StarCast. They are not allowed to appear anymore because WWE offered them more money. They said... Hey, we'll give you a new Legends deal with even more money, but the thing is, we can tell you where you can go and where you can't go. And so both of those guys said, hey, that sounds great. I'll get more money. I don't have to go to StarCast. So Conrad Thompson, who runs that event, was then compensated because, I mean, plane tickets had been booked. I mean, his yeah. his appearance fee, The Undertaker's and Kurt Angle's, they, they had been paid. I mean, yeah. the money was gone. So the WWE offered to reimburse him, and uh, they, they are going to reimburse him. But it's unfair to the people who bought tickets. It sucks for them, who they wanted to see these guys at StarCast. The WWE threw out the idea that they could offer replacements. Well, who exactly measures up to Kurt Angle and Undertaker that's available to them? That's a very small class of individuals that they could offer. So Conrad went out on a limb and actually said, well, send Vince or Shane or 
Stephanie, or Triple H, and will donate all the proceeds to Connor's Cure. A true carny move he tried here. They, of course, denied that. And uh, <laughs> now, But it's smart. It was smart. Yeah, well, because, yeah, it put them... It showed that they weren't that devoted into actually really helping them. World Wrestling Entertainment has taken their toys away, so if you want Kurt Angle or Undertaker at your event... Undertaker isn't doing Q&As, but he is doing autograph signings at a few events, but StarCast is not one of them, so... uh, Because it's the... uh, Competition. Competition, yeah. Yeah, I mean, well... That's just smart on WWE's part. We had to take a cheap shot at him during the Hall of Fame ceremony. Anyway, you know. Oh, yeah, Triple H. Yeah, I had to get that in. Oh, who is going to StarCast? The man of a thousand holds, Patrick. Dean Malenko. Dean Malenko has walked away from WWE. That's right. This company that he's been with in some sort of capacity... In one role or another, as wrestler or trainer or agent, 19 years with the company. Which is huge. Yes. Because there are so many people back there that come and go, but he was one of those select, loyal few, like a Fit Finley, that they were there, ride or die for the rest of their, you know, for, for him to say, I'm gone and walk. That is huge. That is literally backstage, earthquake, shattering, huge. And so, for fans that are reading it and are like, oh man, he's walking away. That is a major, major screw up on WWE's part. And I'm not sure why he did it. I don't know if he's uh, he's going to go and work for All Elite as well. I don't know if he's tired of the bullshit. I don't know if he had issues. I know he was one of the he was one of the ones that was not happy in regards to the Arn Anderson situation. Yeah, well, Dean Malenko, I do believe, is going to get a job at All Elite Wrestling in some capacity, which almost leads me to believe that the WWE is going to start signing these agents and producers and stuff to exclusive deals with non-competes and start thinking about maybe there's some tampering going on. I know how this company operates, and it would certainly seem that... Well, it's very strange, Dean, that you've turned in your notice and you're showing up at StarCast here in a few weeks. How did that come about? Like, I imagine the way that agents and producers and writers are hired in the pack, especially if they're ex-talent, they are going to probably have to sign new deals and sign different deals that they're going to have to sit on the sideline or sign long-term deals so that they can't just quit and then go to the competition. And so Dustin is gone. We've discussed it. However, it was made public, though, that double or nothing, it's him and Cody. There's a video that came out just the other day, and it's uh, the gold dust gimmick, the suits, the uh, merchandise that was left over, the everything. He locks away in a trunk, and it's, it's done. He has buried that, and probably will never be seen again. At this age in time, the gold dust gimmick is gone, and you never say never in wrestling, but I would I would ride on the fact that this one, this is it. Gold dust is gone for good, never to be seen again. It was reported by Dave Meltzer that he actually put in his uh, request for a release back in January. That was before all the All Elite hype, so 
Of course, they granted it because they didn't know what was right around the corner. They didn't yeah. know what was going to happen. So they weren't using him. He was injured. He's been doing a lot of uh, deputy sheriff stuff in Texas. He's turned into Dustin, Texas Ranger. Like he updates his Twitter all the time about going out on ride alongs and doing all. He, he thinks he is a sheriff now. Got his release uh, a few months later. What's kind of irritating, though, is that when it was reported that he had requested his release, he denied it. In February or March, someone tweeted at him and said, did you really request your release? And he straight up lied to his face and said, that's I don't like. That's why I hate marks, because you guys are stupid. I'm still under contract to WWE. You could twist that. You can twist that very and say, yeah, technically you're in your non-compete clause and you're still technically, he's not lying, but I think it's kind of uh, mean to do that, to say, oh. Really? Absolutely. I think it's I think it's wrong to say to fans that this is why I don't like smart marks because you guys are stupid and wrong. When see, it turns out they were absolutely right. We'll see. In, in the And this is something that all Dirt Sheet guys are getting a lot of on Twitter right now, especially Meltzer. Meltzer, Sean Rassap, uh, Bixenspan, everybody that does any sort of dirt sheet writing on Twitter is getting called out now because, oh my goodness, you're reporting rumors and hearsay. Well, that is all pro wrestling writing is, is rumors and hearsay. I mean, and that's what you hear from me all day long. When they're right, they need to be acknowledged. and Or just don't tweet anything. If you're Dustin, don't even respond to that guy. No, I, I, see, I'm wrong. I think you're wrong. Here's what I would do. If you ask me, are you out of your WWE contract? Are you going to All Elite Wrestling? Have you walked away? You ask me any of that shit, I will look you dead in the face if you are a wrestling fan and tell you no, because that is going to add so much more to the surprise shock value of holy shit. He is gone. I don't think it's that shocking because, like you mentioned, it's it's his brother. It's, it's true. And you, the, the you, WWE wasn't doing anything with him. I thought that when they split him from our truth, he had a decent little heel run, and then it just sort of went away, just like everything else they've done. And again, this is strange because Nick Aldis and Cody was the all-in match, and I don't think anyone had any expectations for that. And I personally wasn't really looking forward to it because I don't think Nick Aldis is a very great wrestler. And so I thought it was going to be a bad match. But they put together a really great match. Now, I feel sort of the same way going into this Dustin match. And it's not because I don't dislike Dustin. It's because I've seen this match before. The WWE had this match between the two. Mm-hmm. It was awful. It finished almost in... It felt like a botched finish, but the match itself wasn't even that good and I know that they're half brothers and that they can surely come up with a great match they can between now and double or nothing they can put together a great match and I hope that they do but I think it's odd that Cody went these back-to-back very important shows to his future as far as on the American side of pro wrestling and he's chosen two opponents that I don't think were at the top of anybody's list. I think it's smart because where he is the boss, where you put him in the line of Vince, you know, somewhat like that, um, he's wanting to show that he has talent and his talent is more important than him or his match. I don't, you won't see him main event double or nothing. This match will not be your main event. 
this match will be middle of the card because he wants to showcase his talent. He wants to show, and and that's that's good because you want to you want to you want your talent to know that you won't be holding them down. You're not holding them down exactly, and I think that is that is a very smart thing to do right out of the gate to show your loyalty to your talent and say, hey, you guys had the brass to go with me, and I respect that, and I got your back in trying to do whatever I can to show you that I'm going to take care of you as well and uh, and make you stars even bigger than what you were coming in. And I think that's huge. Now it's time to hear you lie, because an NXT referee broke his ankle very badly. And it's time to hear me lie. Yep, it's time to hear you lie, because Tom Caster, an NXT referee, broke his ankle very badly. It looked like he broke his whole leg. It was just his ankle, but ankles aren't supposed to bend that way. And uh, he continued the match, Patrick, and he made the three count. And it wasn't a fast count. He just made a regular count. Yeah. So the question is, Patrick, of course, if you break your ankle in the ring, will you finish the match? If if I break any part of my body, I'm finishing the match. Bullshit. See, that is that. I knew you would lie. If I am able to move, I'm finishing the match. You are absolutely not going to finish the That's match. That's bullshit. Well, when I see it happen, I hope it doesn't happen. You've never broken anything, so it'd be really weird at this point if you did, but you're not finishing that fucking match. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you can talk a big game, but we have this on tape, so when it actually, if it ever happens, I can play it back for you. If and- I break anything in the ring while the match is going on, if I am able to move, if I am able to continue in any way, battle through the pain... I will finish the match. You have it. Wow. On audio. Somebody needs to tell Sid this, because Sid, Sid should have kept going. Well, he did technically keep going. He got pinned right there, <laughs> and they had to rush Animal down to do the interference, and it looked really weird. <laughs> but he did lay in the ring and get pinned. They did have the finish of the match. It wasn't like they just called it off. and said, yeah. It was the main event, though. If it had been an undercard match, I'm not sure you're going to get that. No, my kudos to him, though, for, for sticking it out, for giving an honest... No, thing. there's no way I'm doing that. Really? I'll be first to tell you. Really? If anything happens to me, I'm not doing... I'm not finishing anything. Really? No, I'm far more important than any wrestling match or anything else. I need to be taken care of. Well, I mean, tell that to Austin, who broke his neck practically, and... Well, yeah, I had to roll up Owen. Still yeah. finish the match. Well, he's, finished, he's a fool. You finish the match. He's a fool. Bob Holly broke his arm from a moonsault. He was booked to win. If you're not booked to win, it seems different. Bob Holly lost. He broke his arm from a moonsault to Kurt Angle and went an additional 20 minutes with a broken arm. A broken forearm, which required bars and screws to reset and now hold. Broke yeah, he's a arm, fool. And he stop. went 20 more minutes. And when you're in that match, you finish that match. Now, my, my t-shirt is always stop. That's my saying. Always stop, no matter what. You got to follow through. The fans paid to see you and paid to see that match, so you you give them what you got. Speaking of injuries, Jeff Hardy is going to require knee surgery. Uh, it's pretty serious knee surgery, and he uh, I don't believe he's going to be able to do another match where he takes a loss and they lose the tag titles. So I believe the Hardys are going to be stripped of the SmackDown tag titles. 
Well, at the house show, they were pairing Matt up with, I think, R-Truth, so they could very easily do, like, a situation that the big show ran into uh, with, like, Showmiz and just swap people out. Jarrah's show turned into Showmiz very quickly, and they just swap people out. There's really not any SmackDown tag programs going on at the moment, so they're really not even needed. On SmackDown, the tag team scene, with the New Day being involved with Kevin Owens at the moment... So that takes them out. The Usos are gone to Raw. I mean, I just say you give Nicholas back the title and put Nicholas and Matt Hardy. It's still a few more years until he's graduated high school. So um, I think Nicholas and Matt would be a great tag. tag depending team. on the severity of the surgery and how long he's out, they could actually just keep these titles because there's nothing going on in that division. They could bring the Dudleys back. <laughs> Well, we mentioned Bray Wyatt earlier, uh, so we can talk about his fellow Wyatt family member, Luke Harper, who we had reported requested his release. He was told no. Nope, they said no. And And not only did they say no, they said, you were out for injury, you missed this time, you owe us this time, and they added an additional six months to his contract. Which I have not seen a WWE talent contract in quite some time. But I am very curious as to how this works. This just seems insane to me because... You're required to work so many shows. I understand that. And if you didn't do to whatever, you got to make that up. No other company or industry operates in this fashion. And Rey Mysterio, prior to his latest return, I mean, that's what he was tied up with them in court about was this thing where... Oh, you had so many knee injuries, you owe us this time. And he said, I don't think so. And he took him to court. They just settled it. And he was let out and set free. But this is a very odd thing. If you think about any other sports, if you think about any other kind of industry, I'm not sure this applies. Like, imagine if a pitcher throws his arm out and he needs Tommy John surgery. And he's a really good pitcher at the time. But his contract is due in two years. And so at the end of his contract next year, when he comes back, they say, oh, well, you see, you missed that one year. You're going to have to do that for us. That doesn't happen. And and those those leagues have unions and they have there's not going to be any of that, that yeah. and stuff going on. This wouldn't happen if you had a wrestling union, but you will never see a wrestling union. No, that's true. But even in even in common business. Patrick, this is just unheard of. I, I can't imagine that because I I ran into a similar situation with a coworker of mine where she was out due to illness, and mm-hmm. I thought I said I questioned her. I said, "Are they going to make you make up that time just because of the WWE contract thing?" And she said, "No, they're not going to do that." They ended up terminating her anyway, so it didn't really matter. Uh, at all, but this is very strange. I'm not surprised they told him no, because anybody that they see any value on the indie scene, or to All Elite, they are not going to just say, okay, sure, you can go, because you signed a contract, and it hadn't it had it works both ways. It has an end date on it, and you can request your release, but then we have the right to tell you no, and you have to work until that date. Now, this injury stuff that they tack on, I think, is very flimsy as far as if he wanted to take them to court and challenge them over that. But as far as his contract date, that's it. I mean, if the way... He's set. He's there. 
There's no. Other you way shouldn't it. have signed the piece of paper if you weren't going to uphold that agreement. And you can say, yeah, I'd like to quit. Same thing in Sasha Banks' case or anybody else that wants out. Don't sign contracts for dates. You have to fulfill your dates. Yeah. And that just goes for any industry or, like, if I'm signed until July 15th, well, I'm going to be expected to work until then. And I can say, I would like to quit before then. And they can say no. And if they have the right to do that in the contract, that's it. Sorry. He, he is going to have a huge huge independent run and would be huge for AEW as well and uh, he had there's a lot a lot of value in Luke Harper and so Luke Harper would be I, I see why they told him no there is a lot of value in Luke Harper unfortunately for him his age is starting to catch up with him and but I don't know when his contract ends and I don't know what time they're planning to tack on but if you're not used on TV, you're just wasting away, you know? It, it, your skills are not improving in this time. And so I, I, I hate that age is working against him in this yeah. case because he's like 39. Age isn't always an indicator of how well you do in the ring. You can take, like, for instance, PCO, and you can take, for instance, AJ Styles that perform very well for wrestlers that are of an older age, but... In Luke Harper's case, he does have a history of injuries. I do believe in ring rust, and I think that he needs to be actively wrestling in order to keep him going. And I just don't know what what the future is going to hold for him. I don't know if this is going to end up in court. I don't know if he's going to ride it out and just work house shows or whatever they tell him to do or just sit at home and get his downside. But it sucks for him. But at the same time, like I said... He, he signed the contract, yeah. and ultimately, he signed a contract when there was no all-elite wrestling alternative in the marketplace, so he had no way to foresee what was coming, so it's not necessarily his fault. Uh, the Crockett Cup took place. Let's, it d- let's it talk did. about the Crockett Cup from last The time. Crockett Cup, and I want to talk about the NWA in general here in, for a minute. The NWA is really perplexing to me what Billy Corgan is doing with it because they need exclusive talent. There is no other way around it. I'm sorry. I think it's great that he is pairing up with Ring of Honor. I think it's great that he can pair up with other wrestlers at times, like at NWA 70 when they had Cody come in for the the title defense. I thought that was great, or at All In even, to to work with with other companies and organizations and wrestlers. I am still unsure as to what the intentions are with the NWA. Does he want it to be a wrestling organization or not? Because I am very, very confused. In this marketplace between WWE, Ring of Honor, New Japan, All Elite, there is a talent bidding war, even including Impact, for the limited amount of money they can spend, and the NWA is going to have to find wrestlers that some people are going to say, oh, he's two years away, or oh, he's three years away, and they're going to have to sign them now, and they're going to have to put them on TV now, if their intentions are becoming a pro wrestling organization again. Now, if the intention is to not become a pro wrestling organization, and just simply be, we put on a pay-per-view, view once or twice a year 
We co-brand it. We have some belts that you see once or twice a year. We co-brand it with Ring of Honor or MLW or whoever's going to work with us. And that's it. If that's the case, then they can keep doing what they're doing. If it's going to be a wrestling organization, it's time to start scooping up talent. It's time to start actually turning this thing into... At NWA 70, you saw sort of the limitations of their talent roster and how shallow it really was and that the biggest match on the show involved someone they did not have under exclusive contract in Cody Rhodes. Here we are many months removed from that in April and they co-brand a show with Ring of Honor where most of the talent is Ring of Honor talent and so it's kind of disappointing to me. I understand that there's like I said it's limited what you can get but you're gonna have to start the only way to make a star is to sign someone that people don't know build a character with the whether it be through their video series the 10 pounds of gold or whatever they want to do take an unknown put him even on these co-branded shows if you take a complete unknown and put him in a, in a match against a ring of honor guy he has a really good showing but he loses that builds something that gets i think something that was, going. that's kind of what was going with willie mack i believe and I know, yeah, but they... They killed that last night. They did, yes. The Crockett Cup took place last night, April 27th. A big weekend for some smaller wrestling pay-per-views this weekend happening on the Fight TV app. This was also available to Honor Club members, which tells me that Ring of Honor uh, had a hand in the production of this. This happened April 27th, 2019, and we'll go over the results very quickly. The Crockett Cup, a tag team tournament... Not the original Crockett Cup, which had like 24 tag teams or something insane like that in it. Didn't have that many for this version. But the winners were going to receive NWA Tag Team Championship belts, which are beautiful. The original NWA titles. They brought these the look of the original titles back, which I absolutely fucking love. They're very pretty. So we'll go over the results very quickly. Jazz. uh, Oh, Jazz had to pull out. Days before, Jazz pulled out and relinquished the the women's title. Which is a shame because I thought her match at NWA 70 was a real highlight of that card. Yeah. I thought she looked really good. Yeah, it was one of the top matches on that card, and so... But again, there there goes another exclusive talent that they no longer have access to. Yeah. Due to not even being signed by someone else, just due to injury or personal issues or whatever's going on with Jazz, so... Up first, we had a tag team battle royal, which got you into the Crockett Cup if you did not make it into the tournament. And Royce Isaacs and Thomas Latimer, who you know better as Bram, ended up winning by eliminating the boys. So they made it into the tournament. The first match of the tournament was Bandito and Flip Gordon. They defeated Guerrero Maya Jr. and Stuka Jr., and so they advanced. Then we had Royce Isaacs and Thomas Latimer come back. They defeated the War Kings, who we did see these wrestlers at NWA 70, Crimson and Jax Dane. They were defeated. They would have actually been my pick to win this thing, considering they are exclusive talent Yeah, NWA. They were were my pick as well. The Briscoe Brothers from Ring of Honor defeated the Rock and Roll Express, which I would be curious to see this match. It took 6 minutes and 55 seconds. Very odd pairings here. That was one of the the things I did like about this pay-per-view, is that they put PCO and Yuji Nagata in the same ring at the same time. It's just very it's it's insane to think about in 2019 so villain enterprises brody king and pco took on satoshi kojima and yuji nagata 
And Villain Enterprises, Brody King and PCO defeated them. So that ended the first round of the WCW uh, legend, Eugene Nagata, by the way. That's correct. Sonny Ono, who's featured in the pay-per-view we're going to review. So then we had our new NWA Women's Championship match, which, because Jazz dropped out, she was replaced by Santana Garrett, who I can't believe the WWE didn't sign Santana Garrett. She had... A good May Young Classic a couple years ago, and I think she has a lot left to offer, but she was defeated by Allison Kay, who went by Sienna in Impact Wrestling. She was the original challenger to Jazz, so they just went ahead and gave it to Allison Kay, which it sucks. It also tells me that Santana Garrett's not under contract, because that would be... A pretty good get for NWA to have Santana Garrett. Then we move into the semifinals of the Crockett Cup. Royce Isaacs and Thomas Latimer defeated Bandito and Flip Gordon. So they took out two Ring of Honor guys. And then Villain Enterprises, PCO and Brody King defeated the Briscoe Brothers by DQ, of course. As uh, the Briscoes are not going to do the job clean. Then we go to the NWA National Championship match. Which, to my dismay, look, I like Colt Cabana as a person. I think he's an excellent podcaster. But his wrestling stinks, in my opinion. He should not have won this title. And this is a hideous-looking title, by the way. This is something we didn't mention during NWA. No, the tag team titles look much better. But Colt Cabana defeated Willie Mack, which tells me he must be signing somewhere. He must be on the move. And then was immediately challenged by James Storm. So we have James Storm coming to the NWA world. I think that's huge. Tennessee Cowboy James Storm. I don't think so. I think... We need uh, Wildcat Chris Harris there, and we'll have uh, AMW tag team back together there. Then we had the finals of the Crockett Cup, and Villain Enterprises, ROH talent, Brody King and PCO, defeated Royce Isaacs and Thomas Latimer. Of course, they are Villain Enterprises because they work... They're in the group with Marty Skrull, so they are his lackeys. But they won the NWA Tag Team Championship, which tells me at the next NWA show they will be dropping (laughs) these belts. (laughs) And then we had the NWA World Heavyweight Championship as Nick Aldis, formerly known as Magnus, took on Marty Skrull. And of course, to the shock of none of internet wrestling fans, Nick Aldis retained the title because Marty Skrull has less than a year left on his Ring of Honor contract, and it's very much assumed that he will be departing for All Elite. So, of course, even if they did do a title change here, that would mean the NWA would need to run an event very soon to get it right back off of him. So, uh, this was not a big shocker. So, I did like the retro ring design with the... Oh, uh, God, that was beautiful. That was... I'm so glad you brought that up. That was so beautiful. Yeah, the classic NWA letters in the ring, and then the classic ROH letters. They went old school with the letters, and it looked like an old dual-branded NWA show when they would pair up with other territories. Like world-class or whatever, yeah. Yeah, and then they put up huge banners of the two main eventers, which I thought was really cool. It looks better than any sort of Titan Tron yeah. or anything. It looks like a prize fight. So, yeah. from a visual standpoint, they are making improvements, but like I said, I still don't know the the aim. What are we going... What is this going to be in what's the our, end? What's our shot here? What's our plan? What, yeah, what's our goal with the yeah. NWA? Is it just a brand name that we want to co-brand shows with, or is it a wrestling organization? I think, I think we need to get Billy Corgan on here and ask him. 
I'm sure he'll just love to pick up the phone. But well, that's between him and David Lagana, his uh, co-founder of the new NWA. And we'll see where they go from here as far as with PCO and Brody King having those tag belts. But the rest of it was uh, sort of skippable. I, I don't want to watch Bram wrestle three times. I don't think anybody in their right mind wants to see Bram wrestle three times. So uh, not a lot coming out of that. But as we're recording this on the 28th, there's an Impact pay-per-view tonight, Rebellion, which features the return of Gail Kim to take on Tessa Blanchard. So... Next week we'll have a rundown of that and maybe a review if I can find a uh, video stream of it. I certainly don't want to pay for it. <laughs> Sorry, guys, but I, it was $40 where the NWA is 25 The NWA much more doable. So now it's time to delve back into the past. That is what this show is called, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. So we'll go retro all the way back to 1997. Oh, a great year in professional wrestling. And we go to WCW. I wanted to just pick a, a spring pay-per-view of some sort, so I picked Spring Stampede because it's right there in the name. It's April 6, 1997. We're at Tupelo Coliseum in Tupelo, Mississippi. In front of 8,356 people, the tagline, These men do solemnly swear to kick, fight, punch, stomp, and flatten anybody who gets in their way. Of course, those four people being the four horsemen of Mongo, Arn, Rick, and Benoit who were on the poster. And two of those four did not wrestle at all. So uh, there was a bit of branding issue with this pay-per-view, but that's fine. <laughs> This is also a pay-per-view that Hulk Hogan decided, eh, I'm not going to wrestle that match. Uh, I don't feel like wrestling this month. And his contract gave him the option to opt out of pay-per-views. He had like four or five option-out clauses. And this was one he said, fucking, I don't really feel like wrestling this month. So a pay-per-view going to be headlined by Macho Man and Diamond Dallas Page. Which is better in my opinion, anyway. The open rolls and previews all the matches with some old West-style music playing underneath. Dusty, Tony, and Bobby have the call, and as much as I love Dusty Rhodes, I really wish Dusty had packed it up tonight and left the booth because he annoyed really? the shit out of me throughout really? the night. Yes, because he kept getting into arguments with Bobby when Bobby would say how stupid something he said was, and he was just saying plunder a lot. He was very... Dusty was in rare form for Dustyisms tonight, and so I was uh, happy... Uh, when he was silent, and uh, I think he was probably the biggest detriment to this pay-per-view, honestly, really? was Dusty's calls. Dang. Dusty and Tony being obsessed with Scott Steiner being maced. These two were not good for the show. They did mace the shit out of Scott, by the way. <laughs> There's a number one contenders match tonight with two tag team, a four corners match. Tony tells us that Scott Hall has gone missing. Yeah, he's gone missing. Go check the bar, Tony. No, so the WCW Competition Committee has stated that Nash must defend the titles by himself against the Steiner brothers. So it looks like, finally, the Outsiders are going to get their comeuppance because the Steiners had been uh, stuffed in trunks, they had been wrecked on the road, they had had their titles taken away after sold out. David Penzer announces the first match as Ultimate, as they call him, or Ultimo Dragon, is out first. He's without Sonny Ono, so I guess he's a good guy now. That's how you know someone's No, he's a this face is or a one-time deal just because Sonny Ono was planning for the title match later on. Well, he didn't wrestle very heelish. He's taking on Rey Mysterio Jr., 
pretty much the only way to know if you're a heel in the cruiserweight division. Does Sonny Ono come out with you, or are you Chris Jericho? Those are the two questions. And then I can tell you if you're a heel or a face. Mike Tanay, of course, comes in to help with these cruiserweights, because these three guys don't know <laughs> shit about any of them. It's a hurricane. What? <laughs> this is the rubber match on pay-per-view between the two as they wrestled twice in 1996. Bobby Heenan mentions Rey Mysterio's link to one of the female stars of Friends in the National Enquirer, which I looked up, and it turned out it was Jennifer Aniston, though both denied the story. So there's a very small chance that Rey Mysterio Jr. at one point dated Jennifer Aniston in 1997. I highly doubt Jennifer Aniston knows what Rey Mysterio Jr. is. Rey and Ultimo exchange hammerlocks before Ultimo slams Rey. Dragon uses some nasty kicks on Mysterio. He keeps him grounded with a cross arm breaker and a short arm scissors. Dragon goes for a sleeper, not the dragon sleeper, but Rey elbows out of it. He hits a running sit-out power bomb, a Liger bomb, but doesn't cover Rey. He hits a leaping tombstone for a two-count, devastating. Of course, in a cruiserweight match, that's a two-count. <laughs> Ultimo breaks his own cover from it, so he he is a heel, a bit of a heel here. Hits a front suplex, and then he puts Rey in the surfboard for a second. Ray rolls out of the ring and he throws Dragon into the guardrail. They get back into the ring and Ray walks right into another sleeper. This time he gets out and puts one on the Ultimo Dragon who drop kicks him out of the ring. Ray fakes Dragon out with the 619 spin, but then hits a springboard somersaulting senton on the Dragon. They go split screen as who cares about this match? There's something going on backstage. As Lee Marshall looks for Kevin Nash... He goes to the locker room, which it's nice that WCW provided their enemies locker rooms in the back. He goes to Nash's locker room and he runs into Six, who just says, go away. Meanwhile, in the ring, Ray hits another somersaulting senton for a two-count. He hits a springboard guillotine leg drop. Then Dragon dropkicks Ray off the turnbuckle down to the ground. Baseball slides him into the rail. Hits a crossbody to Ray out on the ring mats. Dragon uses the giant swing to Mysterio. Mysterio hits a Hurricane Rana for two. Dragon rolls over and gets a two-count. Then Dragon hits an Enziguri. Dragon puts Mysterio on the top turnbuckle, hits his Hurricane Rana... But Ray gets a foot on the ropes. Ray hits a Hurricane Rana off the second rope and gets the quick win after a couple of near falls from both men. A great opening match. Tons of action. The crowd was into it. They really loved Ray Mysterio Jr. as uh, their baby face. Yeah, this was an awesome match. I mean, yeah. but I didn't expect anything less. So it's it's not disappointing. It's not super appointing. It's not, it's not super pleasing because I sort of just expected them to have... A great match, and they did. What did you think, Patrick? Oh, it was a really good match. I enjoyed uh, a couple of high spots in it with uh, with Ultimo Dragon pulling uh, pulling him up for the two counts and things like that. Just uh, working hillish, showing that he is the hill, whether or not Sonny Ono was with him or not. It was it was done very well. I enjoyed it. Lee Marshall hasn't given up on his Nash interview, so we go back to him. Tony the Tiger. He's still there trying to get in. For some reason, the Steiners, who are not invited to this interview, they want to come in there, and they start scuffling with Doug Dillinger and security. Meanwhile, Kevin Nash screams into the mic, I want Nick Patrick as my ref, which no one gives you the authority to make that decision, so fuck you, NWO. That's what I would say. If you're the champ, you can make, uh, make your own calls. Doug Dillinger then turns heel on WCW when he maces Scott Steiner. His own man. What the fuck, Doug Dillinger? We're in a war. We're gonna lose our jobs. And you just maced one of our combatants. Because apparently Scott Steiner struck a police officer, which 
I didn't really see, but also, why were they even there? Bobby Heenan rightfully points out, like, well, if they had never gone there, he would have never gotten maced. Sticking their nose in business where they did not belong, so Scott Steiner got maced, which we would be reminded of a thousand times between now and their match. Medusa is out next. She's taking on Akira Hokuto, who is the WCW Women's Champion. That's right. Medusa never got this belt, by the way. The belt that she threw the other belt in the garbage to get, she never got. (laughs) Akira Hokuto is with Sonny Ono. Tony just can't stop talking about Scott Steiner getting maced. And then Akira whips Medusa across the ring by her hair twice. Medusa lands some good strikes on Akira, but she responds with some blatant chokes. We get USA chants for Medusa, which her name stands for Made in the USA. Akira slams Medusa for a near fall. Medusa's USA flag top breaks, and she flings it aside. She had on the top underneath, so... She it had wasn't, on the sports bra. Yeah, it wasn't like Sable here, but it did get a big applause from the crowd. <laughs> Hokuto distracts the ref for Ono to get some strikes in on Medusa. Medusa lands a pair of missile drop kicks and then lands a bridging German for a near fall that even fooled the timekeeper who lightly dinged the bell as the ref would not count three. He stopped his count, but then the, the timekeeper went ding. But just like a half ding, like... He thought that was it, but it wasn't. Ono gets kicked by Medusa. Medusa lands a powerbomb to Akira Hokuto. But Luna Mashan runs in, and all it took was a kick to the knee. And then Medusa gets rolled up by Akira Hokuto and loses again, as they brought this woman in to lose, lose, lose until 1999. Vince Russo was actually her best friend and got her the cruiserweight belt in 99 but then uh things went to shit and she went to monster truck driving but here in 1997 well i mean she couldn't go back to wwe (laughs) yeah that bridge was burnt a match that never really picked up uh the announcers paid no attention to it they were too, too busy worried about scott steiner's maced eyeballs which lee marshall even ran out to join in on commentary just to talk about scott steiner's maced eyeballs and luna vachon really never got a good run this is a run that i vaguely even recall happening did not know she was in wcw yeah she would be with the oddities very soon in wwf so so i don't know what they were doing here and they were always having medusa lose to Japanese talent that was not going to be around. This is much like the NWA currently in 2019. They're having talent lose talent that's not theirs, so they don't know if they're ever going to see their belt again. This women's title, I don't even... I was shocked to see it here. I didn't know that it existed. It's... A women's title? Really? I knew that it was around. I mean, I knew they had one at some point, but I just don't recall seeing it very much. They had, and two. So, they had two different ones. This is the one with the crown on top, and then they had just a regular oval one. The highlight was when Medusa's top breaking, let's put it that way. And I don't mean that pervertedly. I just mean, like, there was nothing. The crowd got into it at that point. That was it. Literally. Yeah, I think that they just really wasted Medusa. She yeah. just uh, came along in the wrong era. She would be great in 2019 God, if she, she was be. around. That's true. She could actually wrestle, and that was a... Rarity and the, and the people they brought in to challenge her could wrestle as well, but they just were never given a platform. Lord Steven Regal is out next. He's taking on TV champ Prince Iakea, who I always imagine if The Rock had signed with WCW, he would have been given the Prince Iakea gimmick. 
That would have been funny. Yeah, we would have never gotten to see all those bad movies The Rock did. Then we get Regal Sucks Chance. IK had matches against Mysterio and Macho Man, and they say he walked away with the belt. Well, in the case of the Macho Man, the NWO beat the shit out of him, and he retained by DQ, <laughs> so he didn't quite walk away with the belt. <laughs> he didn't walk very far. Tony announces that Scott Steiner's been arrested. That's right, in addition to being maced, he was arrested. So... Uh, I guess we're getting a one-on-one match for the tag belts. Classic WCW here. Dusty says we're getting more than we bargained for. That's actually the opposite, Dusty. We're getting less than we bargained for because our tag match is now a singles match. Tune in to Nitro tomorrow night for premiere footage of Double Team with Dennis Rodman and Steven Seagal. Be sure to tune in. Rodman? What? Prince Iakea hits a springboard crossbody where he almost knees Regal in the head. Regal thumbs him in the eye but claims it was an open hand strike. Regal lands some European uppercuts. Iakea answers with strikes. Taff Cappy misses a crossbody, but answers with a back body drop, a drop kick, and a super kick. Regal attempts a sunset flip roll up, but Iakea just sits down, hooks the leg. A very uneventful match had a very uneventful finish as Prince Iakea just sat down and hooked the leg of. Steve Regal. Regal and Iakea fight after the bell. Prince Iakea gets put in the Regal stretch, and then Regal leaves. This match was shitty. Sorry, Patrick. This match was yeah awful. And it's uh, Prince Iakea, 100%. <laughs> yeah, because this is not Regal. Well, he had nothing to do. He had nothing to offer. He, d- I don't think he hit any sort of move, really. Like, the one move he hit was botched. And then the rest was just strikes. And, yeah. I mean, anybody can do that. And so you put, oh, yeah, his little dancing that he does. Well, it's almost like tiki dancing uh, offense. <laughs> and then you have Regal, who's this very mat-based wrestler. who He has nothing to work with. So It's Regal and Goldberg all over again. No, <laughs> that was a much better match. <laughs> Where Goldberg got shown just what real wrestling was all about. Yeah, he, well, he wanted to prove a point. <laughs> He was probably also high, so that helped. Mean Gene says there's a new click. Find out who it is on the WCW hotline. 1-900-909-9900. Kids, get your parents' permission before calling. I imagine you call it and it's like, oh, the new click is Glacier Mortis and James Vandenberg. Watch out. You know, it's something just totally bullshit, like terrible, awful. Oh, the new click. It's Raven and... Saturn, and that's it. It's the ECW guys, the new click. Stand by. Well, that would be seven minutes into the call, so they've already gotten, you know, 14, 15 bucks out of you. <laughs> then Did me- you ever call the WCW hotline? No. Uh, I think I've mentioned it before on this podcast, but on WCWWrestling.com, which I had a very slow computer that had dial-up, and I remember... I'm old enough to have searched the internet for cartoon and get zero results. So I had this old dial-up computer with internet, and I went to WCWWrestling.com, and they would actually post occasionally, I don't think it was every week and it was every night, but 
Mean Gene would put up his about a minute or two of his hotline thing for free, and you could download it. Now, it would take forever, and it would only play in real player, uh, but I did that a couple times, and I thought I had the scoops. You, you thought know? you were in, like involved, yeah. Yeah, they also had a lot of pictures of Nitro, and at that time, like you know, just seeing a picture on the internet was like, oh, oh blow your mind or whatever. Yeah. And I didn't have any money for like posters or anything, so I would just print out like Sting in black and white and you know, like. Put it up on the wall. Yeah, that's what I would do. Yeah, stuff like that. But I went to WCWWrestling.com for all my scoops. Uh, it, it was years before I discovered, oh, there's all these news sites about pro wrestling. <laughs> I just went to WCW Wrestling. In a rare Mean Gene transition, he goes from the hotline to an interview as he calls out Ric Flair. Woo! Flair comes out. He says, the horsemen that are functioning will walk the aisle. The Nature Boy says he's back May 1st and he'll be ready for action. He puts over the horseman. Gene asks him about Rowdy Roddy Piper. He sort of ignores the question and then says, Hey, Kevin Green has been released by the Panthers. He's coming to wrestle. Then he calls out Hogan on May 18th when they're in Charlotte. I'm sure Hogan did not turn up for this challenge. And then he ends the interview by calling out Bischoff and that he just wants to fight him one way or another. He doesn't care how. And that would be touched up. Uh, see you in a year, pal. And, uh yeah, so Flair not wrestling on the card, but they wanted to get him involved here. They needed to because up next, Mongo and Jarrett taking on the public enemy. So, yeah. Nah, 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 nah. Put your hands in the air if you don't care. Well, my hands were in the air the whole time. As we have one man that can wrestle and three that can barely function as wrestling. I like public enemy. They're fun. They're not good wrestlers. <laughs> Rocco and Mongo brawl around for a minute. Jarrett clotheslines Rocco Rock and Mongo hits the three-point stance. Both the horsemen strut as Public Enemy recovers. It seems that the four horsemen had gotten over Jarrett being in the group for a moment as they had always fought with him being in the group, but now they're strutting together. Yeah, it was just a minute where yeah. Jarrett was accepted as a four horseman. Jarrett and Johnny Grunge pair up and Jarrett locks Grunge in an abdominal stretch with Mongo's help for leverage. Grunge then atomic drops Jer into Mongo. Mongo and Rocco Rock come back into the match. Mongo goes to the chin lock, a sidewalk slam. Jarrett and Grunge brawl on the outside. Deborah joins in briefly in the in the skirmish. We go to split screen as Mongo and Rocco go to the wagon set. Rocco Rock gets tossed into the wagon. Grunge puts Deborah on the table, but Jarrett decks him with a chair. Mongo knocks the plastic cows over, but the camera misses it, so sadly we didn't get to see cow tipping on this pay-per-view. Grunge goes diving through the table. Of course, he misses. Jarrett hits a flying crossbody to Johnny Grunge for a two-count as Mickey J doesn't know who the legal men are at this point. Deborah trips up the public enemy, slides in the Halliburton. Jarrett gets the hot tag, cleans house. Jarrett puts Grunge in the figure four, but Rocco Rock decks him with the Halliburton. It backfires on the horseman. And public enemy, get the big win. As Mongo is late to the save, and Johnny Grunge pins Jeff Jarrett. So there you go. And when is it that Jarrett steals Mongo's wife and leaves? Well, Jarrett would be on WWF TV before Deborah. I believe Deborah appears in October of 98, right the week after her divorce with Mongo finalizes. And Jarrett appeared in December of 97, so this is a few months away from Jarrett's yeah. appearance, but... Uh, yeah, Deborah wouldn't appear until 
October of 98. So, very strange. Jeff Jarrett was a married man. I've never read any uh, rumors about him and Deborah, but it is weird that you go to a completely different wrestling organization. To and be with the guy that you were with yeah, in another company. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'm not... I'm not I'm not making accusations. I'm just making statements that. Well, I mean, and we all know she ultimately ended up with Austin out of that whole wrestling thing. And so it didn't turn out well for Jared if Jared was actually involved romantically. So the WWF run didn't turn out well for Jeff Jared at all. If, in fact, that was his girl. Either run, for that matter. Yeah. Gene puts over the hotline again. Remember, there's a new click. Call now. Then we go to Sherry with Harlem Heat, and this is the promo where it happens. And I'll put it in here. Come on in, if you would, Sister Sherry, Booker T, Stevie Ray, the Harlem Heat, gentlemen. A match that really is turning out to be something else because, I guess, of the high stakes. The winner of this one getting a shot at Hollywood Hulk Hogan and the WCW Heavyweight Championship of the World. The winner of this four-corner match between Lex Luger, the Giant, these two men here tonight indeed is a big, big match in all of their careers. However, I should point out for the record something different. The way you win this one is with the first pin or the first submission. And Sister Sherry, you may be directing traffic. It's conceivable these two men will face each other. We have everything planned out. We have our strategy down to a minute point. It doesn't matter if they're in there together because we have a plan for that too. We have gone over and over and over again. And no matter which one's in there, we're behind the other. Divide and conquer. I thank you very much. Booker T, we've seen the intensity of the matches here tonight, and I expect the same thing is going to happen in this four-corner match. Let me tell you something, Gene Oaken. You out here talking about a click. The only click you need to know about is the Harlem Heat and Sister Sherry. See, because what you're dealing with here is the brotherhood. It's nonstop from this point on in WCW. We take what we want, and after we take Lex Luger and the Giant, we want the gold sucker. Hulk Hogan, we coming for you, nigga. I should point out for the record, Stevie Ray, look at this. Take a look. We're talking about the rack, the torture rack of Lex Luger. And what about the choke slam of the Giant? These are the things you're going to have to deal with tonight. What about the Harlem Hangover? What about the Heat Seeker? What about the Tower Inferno? I don't see nobody talking about that. You think we came out here because it's time for rumpa room, sucker? Well, let me tell you something. When me and my brother go to school, <laughs> the principal checks out Lex Luger. Giant, get ready, because we coming for the gold. That's Hulk Hogan's gold, and you two suckers are in the way. We taking you out one at a time. Now, can you dig it? I thank you very much. I suspect, Sister Sherry, like many of the managerial uh, the uh, people that I've uh, known, if uh, your man come up with a victory tonight, I'm assuming there's going to be a little party. There is going to be a great big party in Harlem tonight. We're going to pick our skirts up, and we're going to knock our legs all over the place, and we're going to... Celebrate the gold. Gene, yes. there's a lot of knuckleheads out there have been looking over the Harlem Heat. But after the night, after we get the shot with Hulk Hogan, all the knucklehead suckers can lay the rest because we taking it all. Now, can you dig it? All right, Harlem Heat, Sister Sherry, I thank you. By the way, Bobby Heenan, you probably heard about that party. That's something I'm certain that might interest you. Right now, let's get you back inside the arena for more action here at Spring Stampede. And after Booker T says it, I think it's hilarious because Sherry just gets a big smile when he says it. <laughs> she totally knows 
This guy is shitting his pants, thinking that Turner is going to fire him. Stevie Ray no-sold this thing. Like, he totally stoic, didn't fucking flinch at all. Like Stone-faced, kept going like it was nothing, man. No, but when Booker realized he said it, he visibly... Dropped his, like, dropped his head and went, oh, shit. Yeah, and (laughs) Sherry just smiled, and... uh, Turner, who didn't like words like fat being used on TV and all this stuff, I'm sure he was like, oh shit, I just lost my job. Fuck. Like, so, good for us, he didn't. Everything turned out well, and we can all look back at this clip and have a have a good laugh. Especially with it dealing with Hulk Hogan, who himself has used this word. Uh, in 2019, it's, it's even better, I yes. think, than it was in 1997. So... <laughs> Well, I mean, Vince has used this word. He has. That's true. Chris Benoit is out with woman to take on Dean Malenko, who's the U.S. champion. And boy, these guys really let me down, Patrick. Really? Before we get into the match, I just thought this was just shit. I mean, it wasn't their best match. I will give you that, but... No, it wasn't their best match because they decided to do fucking rest holds for 20 minutes until the finish came. Benoit fucked up his hand and he was pouring blood out of it pretty bad. I don't know how he did it, but... This is no ultimate submission match by any (laughs) means. Dean Malenko is the U.S. champion, which is surprising that they gave a cruiserweight the U.S. belt here. Though they had done it with Conan earlier, but I am pretty surprised they even gave Dean a run with the U.S. belt in 97. Yeah. Especially considering how dominant the NWO was with all the other belts. I'm surprised that Dean even got the U.S. belt. Dean works Benoit's leg. They jostle over wrist locks. Malenko eventually slams him. Benoit works over Dean's arm. A small package gets a near fall from Malenko. Then Benoit lands a big chop. Malenko goes to a chin lock and then a camel clutch. He puts Benoit in a short arm scissors. Benoit deadlifts him, though, and slams him to get out. Benoit locks on an abdominal stretch for several seconds. He hits a swing neck breaker on Malenko and then hits a snap suplex. He lands some more chops to Malenko in the corner. Then he hits a reverse front suplex as Jacqueline comes down to fight Woman, which I have no memory of this program. She beats her down. Then Jimmy Hart runs down as Benoit hits the flying headbutt, so that totally gets missed. Then Eddie Guerrero, who is the contender for this belt, stops Jimmy Hart from stealing it as he wants to be a good guy. Malenko then suplexes Benoit to the outside of the ring. Then Arn Anderson comes in, jumps Malenko from behind, then sees Kevin Sullivan coming and says, Go right ahead, go beat my guy. And so Arn Anderson lets the leader of the Dungeon of Doom walk right by him and deck Benoit in the head with a kendo stick, and the match gets thrown out. Eddie is then dragged away by Hart, Jacqueline, and Sullivan with the U.S. title around his shoulder, so he stole the belt. Dean Malenko retains the title by DQ, then Malenko says to Benoit, he was not supposed to be here. And who is he? We don't know. Did we ever find out? Probably not, as it could have been a number of these men. I don't know who was not supposed to be here. Whatever the case may be, this was shit. Despite the Horsemen and the Dungeon of Doom having a working relationship years earlier, there's no reason Arn Anderson would have just stood there and said, Oh, you're going to go whack my guy with a kendo stick. Go for it. Unless maybe on Nitro or something he... I don't even care that much. If he explained, oh, maybe I thought he was going to go hit Dean, 
either way, you're still going to get your uh, the match thrown out. So what the Why? fuck are you doing? Yeah. Like, just too much fucking interference. Also, the match itself. Like I said, they're just they're working rest holds because they know these people are coming out. So why why pick up work rate? Why pick up do big spots? Why try to injure yourself when you know how this thing ends with just a bunch of bullshit? So yeah. I hated this match. This was awful, and it's very disappointing because I really like both of these guys uh, in the ring. Of course, like I said, Dean Malenko was like my favorite for a really long time. Uh, as far as a pro wrestler, I think if it wasn't for his size, he would probably be one of like the greatest pro wrestlers ever. If he could have yeah, learned how was, to speak as well, that really he was he. I put him up there with a with a Bret Hart. Had he just been a little bit taller, because Bret was a short champion, but he Malenko's shorter than Bret. And so, had he just been taller, he could have had a a title run, a world title run, because he had that look, he had that stone face gimmick. He was very, he just didn't have that size. He didn't have the charisma to be a good face champion. Yeah. Had they made him a heel and given him a manager like an Arn Anderson who could have done the talking maybe or something, maybe then. But yeah, it's just unfortunately this is one instance where size of pro wrestler does matter when you start getting into a non-high flyer because i i've said it before that like i always hate how they brand ray is like oh he's always an underdog because he's so little or whatever yeah. but he's a high flyer he has high impact moves he can hit you from ways you don't expect whereas dean malenko is going to do mat-based wrestling with you. And if you're just a bigger guy, if you're a Brock Lesnar and you're a mat-based wrestler, you're just it's hard to sell me on the idea that Dean Malenko can beat someone like that. Yeah. That's what he knew how to do. And he did it very well, but it just wasn't going to get him next level. It got him employment for a very long time, and I think that is an accomplishment in its own right. But Well, um, I think he showed that just because you are like 5'3", 5'4", you don't have to be looked at as a high flyer. You don't have to be. You can be a legit badass. And Dean Malenko was a legit badass. Oh, yeah. And he could have great matches with the Lucha Libres and and work yeah. their style. So, yeah. But you don't, you don't have to be just because you're that size. You don't have to be just a, a high flyer. You could be a legit technical badass. And he was. Well, and yeah, he set the standard because, like, when they tried... Other map-based cruiserweights like um, Sugar Shane Helms, you can see the difference in a guy yeah. that's really good and a guy that's just doing a Triple H impression. Yeah, and really small. So yeah, that's that's the that's the wrap on Dean Malenko. But yeah, this match stunk. But I really expected more. And when they st- when when they the, when they came out, I was like, oh, this will be awesome. But then, well, yeah, when they ran, they were part of the pre video like they were this was a match that they had promoted for this pay-per-view and so like when i saw that i was like holy shit we're getting malenko benoit this is gonna be awesome nash is out with ted dibiase and six for the tag team match where it's a singles match nick patrick's the ref like he asked yep he got his wish he gets the evil ref and rick steiner is out alone as well. It's one-on-one for the tag team titles. 
Nash clotheslines Rick in the corner, hits we, his corner knees. We only have one tag title, by the way. It's for the tag titles, and we have one tag title. Well, I'm sure Scott's is in his briefcase, wherever he's at. So, Nash clotheslines Rick in the corner, hits his corner knees, and then his elbows. So, he's there's one move of doom done. <laughs> Steiner clotheslines him out of the corner. Steiner belly-to-bellies Nash. He power slams him in the middle of the ring for a two-count. But then six low bridges Steiner, and he goes flying over the rope. Sean Waltman gets some cheap shots in. Then Nash sidewalk slams Steiner for a two-count. D.B. Aussie gets a cheap shot in. Nash hits a big boot to Steiner, a jackknife. Though Steiner kicks out at two, which this was a pretty protected finisher, so I'm surprised they let him kick out at two here. But it didn't matter. Steiner low blows him to block a second uh, powerbomb attempt. Steiner lands a top rope bulldog for a two as Patrick pulls his count. He will not count three. Steiner decks six. Nash clotheslines Rick in the back of the head. Six and DiBiase expose the buckle. Steiner gets snake-eyed into the steel. And then Nash does it again, even though Ted DiBiase says, No, no, that's enough. We've done enough. But Nash does it again, and DiBiase says, Fuck this, this is just too cruel. And Ted DiBiase walks out on this match. Nash does the powerbomb, and Nick Patrick doesn't want to count all of a sudden, as you just did too much damage. You're only supposed to do so much damage, and Nash yells at him, Just count! And Nash retains the tag titles in this singles match. Yeah. This was shit. This was shit. This was bullshit, in my opinion. Um, just showed you how much the NWO was not going to give WCW anything. Like, those... Just... I mean, it's a tag titles. Your guy didn't show up tonight. Sorry. Sorry, Kevin. You're going to have to fucking lose tonight because it's going to be two-on-one and you're... Or you could pick six to be a replacement. Stand in. Yeah. Just do something like that and just say you're going to lose. Your tag team partner is a fuck-up and he's not here. So, sorry, as punishment, you lose these belts. But, of course, this is WCW 1997, and the NWO have all the power. WCW looks like, they look like fools here, because they allowed Nash to pick his own referee. They allowed all sorts of interference here. No WCW guys showed up to try to even the odds, including Luger and Giant, who were supposed to be all about it. And Rick Steiner looks like a fool. Ted DiBiase looks like a fool because he comes back out later with the NWO after stomping off here. So, this was just fucking stupid. I hate this. I I just hate this. Everything about this. Like, so bad. Bait and switch. I need Vince McMahon reading us the program here to tell us why this is happening. Why do you think Rick never went to to WWE? I would imagine his pay... Well, I mean, he did go to WWE as a tag team. No, I'm talking about after. 2001. Well, I imagine he has guaranteed contracts, same as Scott's, where... But when Scott Scott went... I know Scott went when his contract was up. It was later, but Scott went. Why did Rick not? Well, Rick is a little bit older, and I just think he got enough money and just said... I'm not going to deal with this. He probably saw how the invasion went, saw how those talents were treated. The same reason that Sting didn't go for so long is because he just saw what was happening. And, I mean, if Rick watched what happened to his brother even, he would say the same thing probably. Like, I'm glad I didn't bother showing up because 
all Scott was was fodder for Triple H, another guy for Triple H to pin. So, yeah. um, I think. I mean, he would show back up in TNA and work a couple of matches, so yeah. he, he wasn't completely done after WCW folded, but if I was Scott Steiner, I would have been, well, I mean, I guess they're getting paid so well, they don't care, but I would have been livid that I flew in to Mississippi to get maced yeah, and then knock it on the card. Yeah, I mean, I'm, he got paid the same either way, but like, what a waste. So, we go to... Mean Gene, who's with Lex Luger and the Giant. Giant says he and Lex are friends. Oh, friends for so long. Giant explains how if you win tonight, you deserve a title shot, which of course you do because that's what's in the match. That's the match stipulation. Lex says WCW is here to claim what's theirs. A number one contendership for their own title. Wonderful. It's a four corners match. Lex will start with Booker T from Harlem Heat. I like how Harlem Heat wore gold and silver. I thought that was cool. Well, yeah. it's to show that while, yes, we are a tag team, tonight we're separate units. Mm. Lex press slams Booker T. Stevie Ray comes in, no sells some strikes before taking a clothesline from Luger. Giant tags in, gets beaten down by Stevie Ray. Giant quickly stops it with a clothesline. Giant press slams Booker T. From way up high, Sister Sherry has Harlem Heat regroup. Then Stevie Ray tags Luger in, so now the partners have to fight. What will they do? Luger tries to slam Giant, but unlike Yokozuna, the weight is too much, and the Giant falls on him, and Giant gets a near fall on Lex Luger, his own partner. So then Luger and Giant say, you know, this is stupid. We're fighting each other, so let's have Harlem Heat fight each other. So they tag them in. Harlem Heat actually do a little bit of fighting. They just sort of run the ropes, leapfrog, this, and then they stop, and then they pose. And that was their sequence, so (laughs) wonderful. Bobby says Booker should sneak attack Stevie Ray, and I was all for that. Like, just get the win, whatever. Booker tags in Luger, so this sequence of partners fighting is officially over. Giant eventually takes over with Booker. Giant slams him but misses an elbow. Stevie and Booker never make a tag, and Randy Anderson allows this match to continue. Stevie Ray and Booker Harlem sidekick the Giant, but he stays on his feet until Booker chop blocks him. Giant big boots Stevie and tags Luger in. Luger and Booker wind up together, and Luger calls for the torture rack, but Stevie Ray stops him before he can hit it. Luger gets locked in a sleeper, but hulks up and drops Stevie Ray. Booker and Stevie just take turns beating Luger down. Harlem Heat misses a double-team splash, and Giant gets the hot tag. Giant kicks Booker out of the ring, so he's done. He calls for the choke slam, and he holds his hand high in the air, but instead of choke slamming Stevie Ray, he tags in Lex Luger. Tag me in, brother. He gives up his title shot so his friend Lex Luger can put Stevie Ray in the torture rack. He does, and there you go. Lex Luger is our number one contender, which he would... Get his title shot on Nitro episode 99 or 100, depending on whose uh, counting system you're using. He would get his title shot, he would win it, and then lose it five days later. So congratulations. All this work for nothing. A Slambury promo plays with commentators like Larry Zabisco, Bobby Heenan, and Dusty Rhodes saying, WCW, we, we just need a hero, baby. Just need a hero. Somebody need to step up. Nobody stepped up. (laughs) Macho Man is walking the hall just blabbering about throwing a party when he beats DDP. And he says he's going to, oh, I'm going to bring 
I'm gonna bring Slim Jim and a bunch of random ladies, Liz. <laughs> and he seems to not know where the ring entrance is, as he even says. Which now the only problem is I don't know where the ring entrance where, is. Where, which way to the ring? Mach is out with Liz. Gene is with DDP. DDP says a man has to stand up for what really matters. Kimberly says DDP says he's going to get Macho Man for what he did to her. His rage will even the odds. Michael Buffer, let's get ready to rumble. Savage gets the mic and says, It's DDP's last day on the planet Earth. <laughs> DDP then chases Mach out of the ring. They brawl in the aisle way and Macho Man gets slammed into the guardrail and the ring apron. DDP tries a really weird atomic drop. He lifted him way over his head like he was going to do an Alabama slam. And then just kind of dropped him, not on his knee, but not on his back. Like, it was really Very bad. weird. Yeah. DDP tries a diamond cutter, but Macho Man holds the rope to block it. He hits a jawbreaker to Page over the ropes. Macho Man knocks DDP into the crowd. They brawl through the crowd. He throws DDP through a door that just swings open. Macho Man grabs a garbage can but gets a kick to the groin. DDP hits him with the trash can. Then he finds another and hits him again. DDP chokes Macho with a camera cable, throws him back over the guardrail towards the ring. Macho Man shoves Kimberly into DDP, and this knocks DDP over. Macho Man then drops the axe handle on DDP, who's leaning against the guardrail to recover. Gets whipped into the steps, and he brings DDP into the ring and only gets a two-count with the ropes as leverage. Macho Man then steals Michael Buffer's chair after much debate. Mark Curtis takes his chair away from him in this no-DQ match, so... Curtis will regret this. (laughs) Macho steals David Penzer's chair instead after smacking him in the face and stomping poor David Penzer in the neck. DDP then tosses Macho the chair and then shoves it in his face, sort of like a really lame uh, Van Daminator here. Page fires up, lands some big strikes to Macho, then gets chopped down with a clothesline from Macho Man for a near fall. DDP lands a clothesline after Macho catches his leg. Three sets of scoop slams to DDP, then Macho throws Penzer off his chair again, grabs the spare ring bell. He's going to dive off the ropes with it, but Kimberly steals the spare ring bell, so... No bell shot here. Macho Man then perches for his elbow, but eats DDP's legs on the way down, so no elbow drop. Macho uses a backslide to block a diamond cutter, but Macho low blows him. Mark Curtis then takes a pile driver from Macho Man. Fuck you for being a ref. Then he gets whipped by Macho Man, who had removed his belt, Curtis's belt, so he whipped him with his own belt. Macho Man then goes for the elbow and nails it perfectly, beautifully. But, stupid macho man, you just took out the ref, so there's no ref to count your pinfall. Nick Patrick eventually comes down for his NWO buddy, and Nash just stands on the apron, just looking on, smiling. But yeah, he kicks out. Macho tries a scoop slam, but uh uh-oh, eats a diamond cutter to a huge reaction from the crowd, as this was out of nowhere. Nick Patrick then... One, two... Three! Holy shit! Nick Nick Patrick counted the three. He turned face. Counts the three. Nash, not happy with this runs down, grabs him by the throat. The rest of the NWO, who was in attendance, came out to break all this up. Then we get a powerbomb to Nick Patrick from Nash. So I guess Nash is kicking Nick Patrick to the curb. 
Savage then grabs Kimberly, but Bischoff, this is where Bischoff draws the line. All the other shit the NWO does <laughs> is fine, but you can't hurt a lady. So Bischoff almost turns face here, tries to stop Macho Man. We want Sting. We want Sting. They look to the rafters. You're not getting Sting. Nope, Sting took the night off, too. <laughs> Macho and Bischoff start shoving, and the NWO has to separate them, and then we just pan the camera away. You're just going to have to figure out what happens. Tune in to Nitro as we go back to the commentators who wrap things up on the evening's festivities. But this match was uh, very good. It was uh, very worthy of being the main event. There was nothing else that could I would replace it with on this card. No. It was the match of the card. Let's put it that way. It delivered, and it, it showed delivered. some dissension within the NWO, which would eventually lead to Macho Man challenging Hogan later in the year. And then eventually joining the NWO Wolfpack in 98. So some dissension with uh, Savage and the rest of his NWO whites. And that was good. Uh, but it was also good to see DDP get a win. A WCW guy got a win over one of the top NWO guys. Guess I'm taking the diamond cutter tonight. <sighs> yep, and he did, sure enough. And stayed down for a Nick Patrick three count, which is like a seven count by anybody <laughs> else's. <laughs> Very true. Count. So it's very true. This pay per view sucked. Yeah, and it's sad because when I looked at it, I was excited about watching it because I saw the names involved. I knew there'd be some bullshit on it. Yeah, with, with the singles match for the tag belts. I forgot this was the one where Scott Steiner got maced and all that stuff. But the the only match. If I'm saying this, this tells you how bad it is. The only match worth watching is Savage and DDP. Yeah, I would agree 100%. I would skip the rest. It was uh, pretty dreadful. It was... Ultimo and Ray didn't deliver the way in which I would have thought they would. They were going to. Well, and I just think that if, as far as rating this on a pay-per-view scale, you got those guys on Nitro every once in a while. You got great cruiserweight matches on Nitro all the time, yeah. so it's it's not necessarily like, oh man. It wasn't Eddie and Ray at Havoc. It was the only match worth truly going back and watching is Savage and DDP. And like I said, if I'm saying that, that should speak volumes to any and all fans who are listening. Yeah, because you usually find something. Else. Yeah, and I couldn't. I really couldn't. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I thought this pay-per-view had some promise at the start of it. I thought that the cruiserweight match and the women's match were moving in the right direction. But they were too concerned with Scott Steiner being maced. And they were too concerned with this tag match for the, the title shot, and which wouldn't happen for months later and i just don't care right now why are we doing this where some of the stars like i mean hogan we're coming to get you that's right well i had that too so two two things worth watching on this pay-per-view <laughs> a ddp and macho man match and hogan we coming for you <laughs> so on this rating scale of ours Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez. Where are we stacking? Spring Stampede, 1997. Kimberly Page. Kimberly Page. I'm going to give it a... Just say Liz, because you know it is. <laughs> I'm going to give it a Liz, then. Yes, I'll uh, 
I was going to go Jacqueline, but I gave Jacqueline last week, and I don't want to give that honor back-to-back weeks. So, yeah. Sorry about that. (laughs) Sorry about your damn luck. Sorry about your damn luck. That's right. Well, Patrick, that was my pick for this week. Where will we be going next week? The match was so good. It was so entertaining that we're going to skip Slamboree because nobody fucking showed up for it. We're going to go one month in advance past Slamboree. So two months away, two months in advance from this pay-per-view right here and now, we're going to be back to Savage and DDP. We're going to go to Great American Bash 1997 where you will see Savage and DDP falls count anywhere. And did Hogan show up for this pay-per-view? He did not. Okay. So, there you have it. You can go to powerslam.tv, use the promo code RETROWRESTLING, get a month for free, courtesy of us, just for listening to this podcast. Shout out, I sat down and watched the full uh, roast of Jim Cornette on there this past week, and did not realize how entertaining that was going to turn out to be, so... Go to Power Slam. Recommendation from yours truly, Patrick Young. Check out the roast of Jim Cornette. Yeah, and over 5,000 hours of content, so I'm sure you'll find something you enjoy from all those independent promotions that Power Slam has access to. Well, that'll do it for this week. I'm Intern Alex. I'm the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always, my closing line's a clothesline. And bingo, bango. I guess the one word comes to mind is legitimizer. He gave... WCW incredible legitimacy and everybody he worked with in turn was legitimized. I watched a great some series match with him and DDP down in Bell's page and I think Randy being such an, a living icon even already really helped solidify Dallas as, as a star in our business. I saw Diamond Dallas page a couple of times and he was so nice and he told me how much it meant to him that Randy took an interest in his career. You see, Randy saw some serious charisma in Diamond Dallas Page. We're getting ready for Spring Stampede. Arn Anderson walked into the locker room. It was just me and Randy in there, both putting on our boots. And Arn walked in, and no one told Randy what the finish was. It's, Randy, what would you like the finish to be tonight? Well, pulls up his boots, ties it tight, and he goes, I think I want to take the diamond cutter tonight. And then he went right back to fixing his boots. I'm just looking at Arn, he's looking at me, and he's going like, well, Diamond, uh, I hope you realize it's an important thing for your career. I'm like, yep, I do. Everyone's watching this. It is He hooked him, boys! He hooked him! I crawl over, I just lay my arm on top of him, and the whole building, one, two, Three, and it was almost like there was a moment of silence and then a huge explosion. It was so loud. One, two, three! He's got it! He's got it! The intense battles between Macho Man Randy Savage and Diamond Dallas Page, two men in their early 40s, won a prestigious Pro Wrestling Illustrated Award for 1997's greatest rivalry, skyrocketing the career of DDP. You're watching hatred, brutality, Revenge and it's seen us here between two of the top superstars in our sport. It was huge for my career just to work with him. What happened though, you know, it was unbelievable. 
for the 1997 PWI Feud of the Year DDP versus Ooh Yeah Macho Man Dig it I have so many amazing stories about Mach, but my favorite one comes at Thanksgiving and it starts with a me leaving him a message. Hey Mach, uh, it's DDP man. Listen, this is gonna sound kind of corny, but it, you know, it's Thanksgiving and a lot of the boys are like texting me like, you know, thank you, thanks for helping me out. And have a great Thanksgiving. And it got me thinking like, who doesn't know? how grateful I am, how thankful I am to them. I said, bro, I don't know if you really know. But I know that if you don't take that finish at Spring Stampede in the middle, my career isn't this career. And I just want you to know, bro, that I know that and I will never forget it. Have a great Thanksgiving. And I hung up the phone and I thought that was really it until Monday at TV. And I came around the corner and Mach came around the other corner and when he saw me, his eyes got big and he starts power walking towards me. Diamond, come here. What the hell did I do, you know? Grabs me, pulls me in a room. I got your message. And I played it a couple of times. And then I called my dad. I said, Dad, did you ever have one of the boys do something like this for you? He said, no. I just want you to know it meant a lot. And he hugged me harder than I've ever been hugged in my life. Thank you much, wherever you are. Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv.